Jess. And I'm George. And I am apparently the lawyer friend. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. So after you got fat and mostly recovered, you did come back home and went back to work. Well, I came back home and I took five weeks off of work. Uh-huh. Which is the longest I've ever taken off of work. Right. You know, while I actually still have a job. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, you are a government lawyer. The government doesn't quit functioning. And that's the problem is just because I'm gone doesn't mean the work stops. It just keeps piling up. And I took five weeks off. And even then, even when I was still in San Francisco, I had conference calls and I had emails and I had... Well, you were dust up and yeah, a whole pork <laughs> I was on this two and a half hour conference call and I was trying to sit in a chair and I eventually I had to just lay down on the floor. Aww. And it was, you know, I'm trying to, because I'm sitting in the chair, trying to take notes, trying to pay attention and... We're trying to negotiate something out with it with another agency, and it was just fine. And finally, I just had it, and I laid, laid down on the floor. floor and gave up on the whole taking notes and stuff thing. And it uh, fortunately all turned out fine in the end. But so that's kind of, that was kind of challenging. And even when I got home, that five weeks off of work was necessary because I had to spend a lot of horizontal time just because of swelling and pain. And sitting in a chair was actually the worst thing. I bet. So it was, and even after I first went back to work, it was tough. As soon as I had a chance, I'd get home and lay down on the couch for my lunch hour and all that kind of stuff. So, but the real hard part of the recovery time is when you're back to work and you're doing stuff, but unfortunately it's a desk job. So it's not like I have a physical job or anything. So I could go back to work after just five weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're walking real real slow. For the first time ever, I take the elevator instead of taking the stairs and things like that. And then that goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm a pretty active person. You are. And it was starting to drive me effing crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you walk or you don't walk. Never mind. You drive. <laughs> I normally walk to work a lot. You do walk to work I, a lot. You yeah, live less than a mile from your work. And so I drive to work and I see... Some guy walking and he's doing the stupid teenager swagger thing. And I think to myself, look at that stupid teenager doing a swagger thing. God, I wish I could do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't even walk. Because I can't even walk. You have to right. shuffle still. And so it became very maddening for a, a long time and I couldn't go. Is is that why you joined a running club afterwards? Probably because I <laughs> lost it. I truly lost it at that point <laughs> that I had to, you know, finally at some point, what I want to say, it was like, when was that? Because I had my surgery in early December. I want to say it was like late March mm-hmm. by the time I felt even kind of close to being able to do things that I used to do. Right. So essentially four months of not doing. And, and you know, maybe it wasn't You're starting to I feel better. It was at least three solid months before I could be even kind of back to normal. Right. And then normal was not normal. Yeah. Normal being a relative term. Right. Especially since as you're already starting to feel better, you are simultaneously starting to feel worse. And, well, and, and your normal had changed by then, whether you knew it or not. And so still trying to figure out what normal is or supposed to be, because this is all new. And it was apparent by that time that I had a fistula. So I already had that complication. Kind of one of those things that I was hoping that would fix itself and didn't and just kept getting worse. And fortunately, at some point it stopped getting worse. And it's not 
that bad. Fortunately, I still have it, but it's obnoxious because you have things dripping where they shouldn't be dripping. But mm -hmm. fortunately, it's to get graphic about it, it's it's near the end anyway, so it's not nearly as bad as it could be. Yes. So that was frustrating. So you don't have to sit to fix the drip. No, but you have to be extremely careful. Yes. Because otherwise you will drip everywhere on, no your, on yourself, etc., and it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Yes. And then the other complication I started developing was a stricture, and because it was taking longer and longer to urinate, finally I couldn't ignore it anymore because it was taking a ridiculously long time. Yes. And I also discovered I had never had a urinary tract infection before, so it turns out that I had a massive one for about six weeks, and that was part of causing things not to work as expected. Mm -hmm. And I guess we might as well get graphic about it because you have to have this catheter for mm -hmm. ages right after the surgery. Right. And it's not really ages. It's about two weeks, but it seems like forever. Well, that's comparatively ages. And so once you get that out, then you can start peeing in your little handheld urinal thing. And the first couple of times you're like, wow, this is fantastic. This is cool. <laughs> like, let's drink some more coffee and I'll do it again, you know. <laughs> And that was all starting to finally, because it, you know, it sprays everywhere and does all kinds of weird stuff at the beginning because everything's still really swollen. Swollen, yeah. And so that starts to finally subside and it starts to act normal. And that's pretty exciting. Hooray for physics. Yay. And then things started to get worse again and spraying everywhere and lots of dripping after you think you're done. Just keeps dripping and dripping and dripping mm. and dripping. <laughs> no good. Well, then I realized I finally went in and got checked, and it turned out that I had a massive urinary tract infection. So how much of the complication was from that is hard to say. And then I got the stricture, and the process still had the stricture, and that might have been what contributed to the infection, is that things are just not getting out like they should. Now, when you started taking a really long, long time to pee, you discovered an interesting fact somewhere along that way about how long it takes most creatures Apparently, in, in the planet Earth. Yes, apparently, to, almost to, all mammals. Yeah. Yes, mostly or fully empty their bladder in thirty seconds, from mice to elephants. And mine was going well beyond thirty seconds. So Yours was taking like four and five minutes, just waiting for everything quite to get that out. Long. It, was, it was three minutes, four minutes, if I had drank too much coffee. So it was. Did getting... this process make you cut down on your coffee? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I stood there as long as it took, as long as I could eat my er, eat my coffee, drink my coffee. <laughs> Apparently, I need some more. Right. I so, prefer to almost eat my coffee. I like it. Nice that's that's great. pretty much how my coffee. Yeah, yeah. We we're is. all thick coffee people. But yes. anyway, finally it became an issue. So I did make an appointment, and I went back to Doctor Crane, and so I had to have another procedure. You you. I think you can go ahead and describe it. You you told us, but that. yeah. So I went down to see him as for an office visit just to have him check things out, see how things were going on, and he said, "Well, what we'll do is we you know basically try and." pass a catheter through there to see what we're dealing with. And um, hopefully we can kind of open it up and stretch it out and all that and get, get you back mm -hmm. to going again. And I'm like, okay, so we're in the office and, you know, he has a, it's a little plastic tube is all it is. Yeah, it's a catheter. Yeah. And so he tries to get in there and it go just a little ways and then stop like brick wall stop. Oh. You know, so he has a metal wire stiffener that goes in this thing and Swear to God, it's just like a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it sounds like. And I, I, I think I said that to him. I said, well, these things aren't always that high tech. <laughs> you kind of just 
<laughs> do what you got to do. Right. So he tried that for a while and no dice. Um, and how long is a while? I'm curious now. How long is this guy poking at your Long dick? enough, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, you know, Aww. it wasn't, but, you know, I hauled my rear down there and it takes well, a while. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm here. Let's do it. You're spending right. all that time peeing. Yeah. You might as well stand there with a poke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if it's going to make things better, then. So, yeah, it, it was not pleasant. I tell you what. But un- unfortunately, it did not have the intended effect. Unfortunately, and no, so it, uh, even with the stiffener rod inside of the catheter, it would not go through. It would not go through. Taking off the catheter, he was barely able to get the rod through it. Yeah, by itself, just the rod, and it was That would explain why small. it was taking you so damn long to pee. Right, because it was probably a millimeter, maybe less than that. Right. In diameter. So we're like talking about like peeing through a pinhole practically. Yes, you're um, emptying a gallon of milk through a straw. Yeah. Doesn't work. It does, but it takes a while. It takes a while. Fair. So I had to have an actual surgical procedure to, they put you under and they basically stretch you out. And that's what we took you for a drive for. That's what you took me mm-hmm. for a drive for. Yeah. And th- thank you for that. You're welcome. And unfortunately, you have to have a Foley catheter for two weeks after that. Again. And that's a... Uh, you told us, he said this is going to take about half an hour, did you say? I think so. And, and how, how long did it take? I have no idea. I was out. How it long was did a it long take? time. Did it? Oh, gosh. I would have to scroll back through took, my text messages. It took probably there. twice as long, really, as, as he had said, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I guess one thing they do is they, they use a scope that they put up there so they can actually see what is, is going on. So I don't know how long of that. So how many things Good have thing you had they stuck knock up you your dick out they... I've had practically everything stuck in my dick at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets better. I'll tell you about that. Oh, works, dude. Depending on how you look at it. So Tell the, me better. <laughs> it's, it's a perspective, I guess. So basically what he said is the good news is that it was a very small stricture in the sense that it didn't run very far of the length of the It was tight, but it was, it was not a, deep. It was it was very tight, but it was a very small area. So it wasn't that it affected a large portion of the urethra, because if it did, then you're talking major reconstructive surgery on the urethra. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was small enough that you could just stretch it out and open it back up. Which is Good. apparently what he did. Which is apparently what he did. So then you have the catheter for a couple of weeks to hold it open, and... I have to say that that was so. This is a Foley catheter as opposed to the suprapubic catheter that mm-hmm. you have after the initial surgery. And that suprapubic catheter is comes right out of your bladder, out of your abdomen. Yes. And believe it or not, that's a lot better than a Foley catheter mm-hmm. because it's not directly attached to very sensitive things. <laughs> yes. So the Foley catheter, I was in an extremely bad mood for a week after that. I bet. It was, I took the day of the surgery off and the following Monday. So two days off of work because the surgery was on a Friday. Uh-huh. And the whole rest of that week was just hell being at work. Uh-huh. And trying to function normally and things are busy and things are going crazy. And yeah, it was just not, not good. Right. So the second week, finally, things were healed up enough that things didn't hurt as bad. Because, I mean, every little thing hurt. And mm. So this is after, well, you have this, this stretching done and, and you have this new catheter hold, holding everything in place, hoping that when we... To hold it open, right. So finally, about the second week was a lot better. And then, hooray, you get to finally take the catheter out. And that's a do-it-yourself operation. Lovely. Which is fine. It's no big deal. And mm-hmm. I was very happy for that to be done. Then it was like a fire hose. Yeah, and that, that was, was fantastic. You, you emailed us. That was the email. <laughs> yes. That it was yeah, so much better. So it helped a lot. It was 
you know, I wish I'd gone and done it sooner, probably. That was a short but precise email. Yes. <laughs> Fire hose. Fire hose. <laughs> that made me happy. When I saw that, I was like, yes. Yes, so I, I was I was very happy, and it was uh, I've never been so happy to clean my bathroom <laughs> in my life because you know you stand there and you're like, okay, let's hope that this worked, and whoa, oh my god, that don't go there, and a lot of it. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, but it was so much better than than before. So the this is the part that it gets better. So then you get to stick something up your own dick every day. Uh-huh. For, I don't know, forever? For my next surgery? I don't know. For a while. To make sure you keep it stretched out. Are you still doing this on a daily basis? Still doing this on a daily basis. Because you don't want the fire hose to close up. No, I want to keep the fire hose. (laughs) So. Now, given the fact that your libido is higher on tea, they don't want you to engage in any use of your genitalia. While you are in um, recovery, but I don't think anybody's ever able to leave it alone. That's pretty much impossible. No. And I I did go off of tea for like a couple weeks right after my main surgery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they give because you a little... Because you wanted to make your libido go down or what? <laughs> yes, pretty much. And I didn't want to... I didn't feel I like can stabbing myself in the butt with... When you can't even turn I, that far. Yeah. You know, you get the little sheet that says, don't do anything for six weeks I might have made it to four weeks. I don't know if I could have made it that far. See, this is why I'm not not sure that I can ever get to a surgery. The first part being, like you said, it's it's way harder than, than you ever can imagine. Pain and everything. And the other part is no sex for too long. Yeah, and it's there were times that, you know, I'm laying in bed at night. And I'm like, don't think that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't think that. You can't do anything anyway, so just stop it right now. And But... <laughs> At least in the very beginning, though, everything hurts so bad that you don't, you don't think even about it. Care. It's not no. even an option. Right. But, you know, after about just a couple of weeks, I mean, the pain was never a real acute, intense pain. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, a, at least on the painkillers, it's a lower level, but it's definitely there. And you're not moving fast and you're not doing anything, or at least I, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like when I had my... My top surgery, those are things I'm not using anyway, and they're, they don't function. They don't do anything. And you weren't on T, so there yeah, you have on it. I was on T, and so it wasn't a big, you know, there was a little bit of pain, but it was. it's just in an area that, you know, even if you're walking around or something like that, you can wear, a, like I had a... Compression vest. Compression vest, yeah. And so you can do things about it, and you can still walk around and do things. Yeah. And everything with your lower surgery is massively swollen and very painful. You don't... You- you don't want to get off the couch, no. let alone walk somewhere. So that was challenging. I have to say the whole, even with going off tea for a little bit, it's um, that was challenging. But the upside of the story is that everything still works in that department like it ought to. Good. Because that would be very, very depressing mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. So yes. Understandably so. Yay. And so you are scheduled for testicular implants in some months from now. Approximately six months from now. Which is now currently approximately six months since your initial surgery. Right. And so... Is the insurance going to cover it? It should if I don't screw around and get on my open enrollment election or whatever. So it should cover that, which it's not going to cover all of it, but if it covers any of it, it will be a massive improvement. 
right over before but i'm honestly having serious second thoughts about even having that surgery and the large reason for that is because it took me so long to get back to normal and taking the long view of this is you know yes it'll take several months but it's a couple months out of the rest of your entire life Mm -hmm. you know you ought to be able to deal with that on the other hand it was so flipping miserable and it's close enough in time that Mm -hmm. i'm just not i might say you know what can we push this out another year or two and I'll get it done eventually. It's not necessarily a priority right now. Right. But on the other hand, at some point, just getting it done would be good. And especially when I have health insurance and I have sick leave at work and all of that might be the way to, to do it. But I'm not not excited. You're not excited about getting balls? I'm not excited. And this is, again, we'll get super TMI here, but... It's what we do. Yeah, for better or for worse. You're, you're uh, not even close to what we could do. We've, sure. we've said much worse already. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've heard most See, of your, you not know. all of them, but I've heard other your podcasts. Yeah. So for better or for worse, you know, my anatomy is such that the outer labia are rather large. So the upside of that is it gives you a lot of tissue to use to make a scrotum and all of that stuff. So even without implants, you get something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is... You're going to have huge balls and a tiny dick. Yes. But even now, the problem is the upper part of the labia are still where they've always been. And so unless I have that surgery, the outward appearance is not that different from what it was before. Because there's the scrotum kind of behind it and underneath it, but everything in the front is kind of still the same. Mm -hmm. It's still all padded. Yeah. And so it still looks largely like female genitalia, which is honestly disappointing. I was expecting something different. You should be able to get that lipoed. And you can get it lipoed. And part of the surgery will be to lipo what they don't end up using as part of the new scrotum with the implants. Mm -hmm. Because they will use some of that tissue and pull it down a little bit. Right. So that's part of my, you know, the upside of why I still am interested in the surgeries because I'm not satisfied with the aesthetics. And I'm not blaming Dr. Crane for that by any means it's really a function of my own particular anatomy. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the same boat that I am, don't expect a massive transformation. If you have big lips before, you're still going to have big lips after. And until you get the implants, which you can't get right away, you have to wait at least several months for the swelling and everything to mm-hmm. sort itself out. So then it can start all over and make it swollen again. Right. And then, and then I'm like, oh, great, here we go again. So I'm a little bit on the fence about that. The other thing, though, in that surgery is getting the fistula fixed. Yes, that one does need to get done. So that would make the whole actual function of standing to pee work better. It's not necessarily going to make it because even now it's not easy and I don't think it's going to make it easy. You have to be very careful about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to fix that entirely. It might not even make it much better at all. So, but in the meantime, if it was just the implants, it wouldn't be that big of a surgery. But to fix the fistula, my understanding is you have to kind of open everything back up again and do the catheters and yada, 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 and all Jeez. that all over. Mm. Right. So mm. you're looking at not as major of a surgery as the first time, but still a fairly major surgery. Mm-hmm. Now, you were dating someone prior to surgery. Yes. And you were sexually active with them using an insertable prosthetic. Right. And now you don't have an insertable place. No. But you are also not active with the same person? Correct. Have you considered how that's going to work or have you considered any other partners? Or I know she would probably be happy to get back with you, but... She would. (laughs) And so in some ways that I haven't quite figured out how that's going to work. 
yet. Okay. I have some theories, but I haven't actually tried any of them yet. <laughs> so she's not the person to experiment with. No, but but what are the theories? Tell us. I mean, basically, it's going to have to be your traditional strap-on type thing, which is sort of disappointing in a way because at least the advantage of the other one was you could make it work with just a pair of underwear. At least I could mm -hmm. anyway. And minimal planning ahead of time. There has to be a little bit of planning ahead of time, but relatively minimal. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I was talking with Dr. Crane and he says, well, once you, you know, when your insurance covers lower surgery, you know, then a full phalloplasty, you know, and all that stuff becomes an option because otherwise financially it's just not an no. option. And I was like, yeah. And in some ways that would be fantastic for the whole sex thing, but for the whole surgery thing, it's not. For the whole surgery thing, it's really not. <laughs> no, no. I, I fully agree with that. Yes. Yeah. You know, and in some ways it's it's still tempting in a lot of ways, but uh, after this first surgery made me almost go crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's such a longer recover. Oh recovery my gosh, time. I can't I, imagine. I, I, think I, I think I would lose it. I think I'd absolutely go crazy in the meantime, mainly just from not being able to function the way I'm used to functioning. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be so screwed when I get old. Because <laughs> when I blow out a knee or something and I can't do what I'm used to doing. They can fix your knee and everything. And it's not nearly as painful as when they fix your dick. Yeah. True. That's true. And true. But that said. Hips and knees and stuff, they're getting better and better at that. That's true. But I don't know that that's in the cards necessarily. And even this upcoming surgery, I'm very tempted to skip it for a while. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just getting really tired of surgery. Right, right. And that's completely understandable. And if you have enough urinary functionality that, yeah, you have to be extra careful, but it works and you don't have to touch anything in any bathroom that you don't want to touch. Yes. You can get away with putting it off. Yeah, so you can, as long as you're careful, you know, I had a, things have been working better and it still takes some practice and some work. I did the have too many beers, drunk peeing in the urinal thing and managed to pee on myself. So don't do that. <laughs> be careful. But the other thing is I have always been the kind of person that I never had any urinary issues before. I never had infections. I never had anything like that. So it's very easy to take all of that for granted. Yeah. And it's actually a very important system that when it doesn't work right, it can really make life miserable. Yes. So if you haven't hugged your urinary tract lately. That was the other email you sent. <laughs> That made me laugh so yeah. hard. Have you hugged your urinary tract today? <laughs> uh, appreciate it when it works, because when it doesn't, it re it's really a drag. Aw. Any so, other thoughts? or? Uh, I'm sure people are, are curious about surgery and want to know all about it. It's obviously a highly personal choice, and it depends a lot on you know what your results are that you're really mm -hmm. going for. What your, uh, obviously, I have a lot lower tolerance for being homebound or bedbound or whatever than I imagined. Um, I didn't. Imagine that you would. <laughs> I know you're an active kind of person. I knew it would drive you crazy. It, yeah, it drove me completely up the You wall. never think it'll be as long as it is. Yeah, I, I think, and, you know, that my one mm -hmm. thing, and even with my most recent surgery, and maybe I was being too optimistic, was everybody said, oh, it's it's no big deal. It's it's a half hour. It's very quick, easy surgery for this most recent thing. For the main surgery, you know, you get the little sheet that says after six weeks, you can go back mm -hmm. to doing whatever you do. And, and at least in my... That is during those six weeks. Don't do any of it. Sorry. Too bad for you. Yeah. But even then is for me, it was well more than six weeks. It was two and a half, three months, three and a half months before I was even kind of back to normal. It was six weeks before you were back to American lethargic average. 
Yeah, and maybe even below Which is not them, you. Which is not me. So if you're an active person and you're used to enlist, and maybe if you're younger than me, you heal up faster than me or whatever, it won't be that big of a deal. But I think, if anything, it almost kind of seemed like the recovery time was downplayed too much. Hmm. Like I was, and maybe I was expecting or I was, my expectations were off and not reasonable. It's perfectly possible, but I was kind okay. of surprised at how long recovery took for both of these surgeries and dealing with the catheter for weeks afterwards. I remember after my first big surgery, it was about a month or maybe slightly more than a month that I remember I woke up one morning and thought, holy crap, I finally slept. Mm. Finally feel like I actually slept after mm. like a month. And you don't realize how wearing that is. Yeah. On you. We we realize how wearing it is not to be properly that sleeping, but with, for completely yeah, different for, reasons. You know what? I, I, yeah, I'm obviously not a parent. So those of you with, with kids are like, what the hell are you talking about? This happens every day. <laughs> no, but that adds to it. It does. It, it does. Know, it, take that into double impact. Yeah, that's no good. Well, I thought that with my top surgery, and I know I'm older, so... I figure the same thing. Maybe somebody who's a lot younger deals with it differently, but it took me way longer than I thought it would yeah. because of some complications as well. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, because there's always, and especially when you're dealing with lower surgery where you're messing with a lot of stuff that has to function many times every day, there's yeah. a lot that can go wrong. Oh, yeah. You, like I said, you know, don't think that after six weeks you're going to be right back to normal because... No. You're no, not. you're six weeks behind normal. Yeah. You lost a lot of ground during that time. Yeah, that, that was the thing that was most difficult for me. And I wish I kind of had a little better grasp going into it exactly how long this recovery was really Do you think you take. would have done it if you had a really clear idea of... You know, I probably, I probably still would have. Given the lack of success you've had with STPs prior. Right. And that was your main goal. Because, yeah, like I said, that, that was the most important thing to me because that was the trade-off is, okay, I have peeing problems so to speak, in one sense, which is that these STPs just aren't working. Things are awkward. You know, I fly for travel for work and you can't... I, I have the same problem. And because I also have thick labia, STPs just don't jive with my junk. Yeah. It's like sometimes it works great. And it, it's it's like golf. You know, it's extraordinarily frustrating because... Only with golf, it doesn't look like you just peed on yourself. <laughs> well... I don't know who you depends golf. On it how depends on you. how you golf, but uh, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things. That's how like, I golf. It seems like you're doing the same thing that you did before that was successful. You can't tell that you're doing anything different, and all of a sudden it's not successful. And so that's what's so frustrating about it for me because I couldn't tell the difference between what works and what doesn't. Right. And so I that wasn't is learning. Most guys will say that about any STP. Uh huh. So that was the thing. Is it was some people are successful, and the rest of us are like, what? What is going on here? Yeah. How do you do that? And so that's the thing is the, the trade-off was, do I keep messing around with these devices that, like I said, I can't travel with them, at least not easily, because I have to go through all this body screening bullshit yeah, at the airport. Yeah, you do. And I had my homemade STP in my pocket the other day when I had to take my mom to the airport. Yeah. And I had to take her to the gate oh, Okay. in a wheelchair because, you know, she can't walk that far. And uh, when we get to the screening part, she doesn't have to do anything because she's old. So they will terror, right, babe? Yeah, she's not a terrorist. Little do they know. <laughs> but I had my homemade STP in my pocket. I just did what I do sometimes, like when I go to the gym and I'm only going to Tai Chi and I'm not changing it and getting a locker and everything, is I just took my shoes off and I stuck stuff in my, my shoes, okay. which they could yell about if there was a lot of people, but there wasn't. And I just stuck my STP in my shoe. 
Yeah, I've had, but I thought, this is not what I wanted. I'm glad this thing is small. Well, yeah. Well, I did the, you know, I'm in line getting ready to go through the thing. There's a gazillion people at the San Diego airport, and I'm stuck in the middle of a line that I've been in for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reach in my pants and pull out my STP and stick it in my briefcase. Right. Because what else are you going to do? Right. And I'm like, well, oh well, this is super awkward. Hope yeah. nobody gets offended or upset, but I'd rather Well, I'd say that 99% that. Yeah. of them aren't even going to know what on earth it is that you're putting in your backpack. Exactly. And, but every, well, somebody of all those people must've seen me reach in my pants and pull something out. And they probably thought, holy shit, what is going on? There's a terrorist trying to put something in, or they, the words California and they don't care. I don't know. They don't. That's no, if, no, the <laughs> Californians a, didn't care. The, it's not about them. The tourists probably thought you were too white boy to be a terrorist. <laughs> And the TSA people were just like, well, if they're it's so, a problem, we'll see it in the x-ray. Yeah, they're so burned out, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, so that was that was the trade-off. And I probably still would have made the same choice. Maybe I would have been a little bit more prepared right. if I'd known. But you never really know. It's a little bit different for everybody. It is. Of course. So it is. It's hard to... Hard to say for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking next forward to the next surgery. Um, at least now I have a fighting chance of being able to pee without an STP, you know, and like, like, like I said before, and you don't even have to touch anything, which is fantastic because, you know, the bar, uh, even the bathroom at work that they clean every day uh, is pretty, yeah. I had an email today at school. Our custodians... One of them is nearing retirement and is using up all of his sick time before he retires. He works like one day a week. (laughs) And trying to find a substitute custodian is harder than finding substitute teachers in Tinyville. Mm -hmm. Substitute custodians just don't exist. And so one of our custodians sent out an email and said, I'm sorry, we are only going to get half the recycling because there's a windstorm and we can't walk across campus with these big buckets of papers. <laughs> and um, the email comes back from one of the male teachers and says, that's okay. Someone clean the men's bathroom. This retiring guy must have stepped up his game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it happens once a week, right? Oh, not uh, even. Like once a month. Ooh, yeah. I can imagine how bad. Ugh. So my mom, once upon a time, was a school nurse at a middle school. You told me about that. And she... Uh, was starting to see these very bizarre patterns of injuries where people were coming in with terrible burning rashes on their butts and on their back thighs. And they were pretty much the same in everybody's case. And she finally realized that it's all in the shape of a toilet seat. So a little bit of investigation later turns out that the new custodian was not diluting the super concentrated cleaner. Ah. That he was using on the toilet seat. Oh so the toilet gosh. seats were getting cleaned on a regular basis to such an extent that they were literally uh, burning people's asses <laughs> <laughs> when they sat on the toilet seats. Aww. Yes. And no. that is the life of a school nurse. I'm very familiar with the concept of your mother as a school nurse because that was why you were a virgin until you were... She gave us a talk at an entirely too young of an age. <laughs> entirely too graphic. Uh, uh, well, it was actually our own damn fault because we were... Asking. We were little kids and we were climbing all over when she's trying to study and she had a textbook open on her lap and we said, ew, mom, what is that? And she says, that kids is genital warts. Let me tell you how you get that. (laughs) And I think we're all virgins (laughs) for a very long time. (laughs) Oh, your sister married young, didn't she? She was 20, 21. Yeah. No, she was older than that. She's 23 or 24. Okay. Maybe even older than that now that I think about it. Okay. 
Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. That that did it did it for a while anyway. <laughs> so we need to give our kids the oh, the very graphic version of the graphic version. Yeah. <sighs> Make sure you have lots of lots of pictures. It's like remember how for a while they wanted to put pictures on cigarette packs? Oh yes. You know, it's uh mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. So are there any more um poignant or illustrative uh stories about your transition or your uh, experiences with the medical community that would be worth getting out to the trans community that we attempt to support. The one thing that comes to mind is, as I mentioned, I transitioned at the same workplace, which caused a certain amount of special planning involved. But I think that the, the planning was necessary and it helped a lot in working with HR and everybody of course, I also had the luxury of having a workplace that was on board well, with it. Well, that, that is one of the benefits of government employment. I mean, we're all government employees here. You know, they, they can't kick you out. Well, at the time they could. The law had not been enacted yet that covered trans people. It, um, yeah, it did when I, when I came out at work. Well, even so. so, I think being a lawyer in a government position, they knew better. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing is my workplace was exceptional in the sense that people had some experience. In fact, we all defend a lot of civil rights lawsuits mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to be in that position. So I think it made it a lot easier than it probably is in other workplaces. But If you're the government lawyer and you had to sue because they were discriminatory, who would defend? They'd have to get outside counsel, which would cost a shitload of money. <laughs> because you're not defending them against the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I think that qualifies as conflict of interest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or at least if not then it's to his his advantage and you could do a yeah. crappy job on their side. <laughs> yeah, they, they they obviously won't wouldn't do that. So yeah, it's a uh but the planning that went into it I think was very beneficial and it wasn't even in a supportive workplace, it's not something you do without a certain amount of planning. Yes, and, and you are a planner, and it's sometimes hard when you're like, oh my gosh, I just want this done. Oh my gosh, I just don't want to be she ever again. Oh my gosh. Because trust me, I had plenty of that, and you know, I have plenty of other things, like like my midlife crisis. That I, I'm ready to go crazy now, but I'm not ready. Yeah, there, there's especially, uh, you know, I got my tea schedule all screwed up because my pharmacy's my doctor miscommunicated. Anyway, there was about a week there where I was inches away from just walking out and quitting my job for absolutely no good reason. But because, because your tea schedule was messed up? Yeah, because I was, well, I've had it with, with it for a little while, but. We're, we're all a little frustrated with government employment at this point, but right. that said. That said, that's not the right thing to do. That's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. And things will be so much better if you take some time and some planning. And it sounds like I'm lecturing now, so I'll stop. <laughs> Old white lawyer boy. Yeah. Are we done? Well, if we're done, then one of us needs to say that's it. That's why I'm asking. Yes. That's it. That's it? That's it. Is that it? I think it's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. 
If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! George, he, he still needs the, the paper to read, and he I, I keep all of our notes from our episodes here in this notebook that I was writing on while we were discussing earlier. And episodes go, you know, from the front to the back, because when it, you make a notebook, generally you start in the front and you keep going page by page. Or you usually go in a certain direction. So in some cultures, you go from the other side, but yeah. <laughs> you start cultures. at the beginning and you go to the end. Generally. Whether that is the right to the left, the left to the right, whatever language you were writing in, whatever country your book was published in. I'm not writing a book. I'm just writing notes. And so you just open the notebook to a random page and start writing. I do. And then when I want to find it, I flip through the book and say, here it is. And she says, why do you do that? And now I'm like, that's going to go in the middle of all the other notes that I'm going to write. And I ended up tearing the page out because I was like, I cannot handle this being in the wrong place. Which is so funny because you can't get your shoes back to the closet for anything. But the notebook out of order is a major problem. But the notebook out of order is a major problem. It totally is. So, yeah, that's that's that. So She's never going to get over the notebook. I'm never. So I probably will never change it. No, that's that's probably a good thing. I'm glad somebody is organized. I'm not. If you've seen my notebooks or my desk, then... No, I have. You've probably... Okay, you've seen my desk. Yes. I've never seen your notebooks, but I saw your desk. Uh, my notebooks are essentially the same thing in a notebook form, uh-huh. if that makes any sense. So it's, are it's they quite as ram- random as mine? or I would say they're probably not as random, but... Things are grouped. Think Generally, kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like a stack here and a stack there. Mm-hmm. Sort of. These things go together. That stack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because this is a storytelling podcast, what we do... You can see me making segues for all the listeners, and he's laughing at me. Yes. So you want me to tell a story? Is that what you're getting at? If it's not too much trouble. And if it is, too bad. Do it in yeah. <laughs> How about them sports teams? How about them Dodgers? <laughs> <laughs> them sports teams. I can't think of one. Hang on. Hang on. Exactly. The, Cubs, the Cubs were doing really good. <laughs> they were. Because we're doing good. I'm not that kind of guy. It's Sorry. Because, it's because one of the guys at work is from Chicago, but he's a White Sox guy. Uh. Uh, and, um, so he likes to come in and he thinks he's going to come in and razz me, but lately the Cubs have been doing well, so <laughs> unusual as it is. Mm-hmm. See, there we go. Yeah. So continue. Okay. We're, 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 I was asking about how yeah, long... Yeah, so start the question again. Yeah. I, I never got carded until I turned 21. I don't know how that works. You know, that happened to me, too. I, didn't, I don't know what that's about. Very odd. I never been a big drinker anyway. That's a good thing. No, you were not a big drinker. <laughs> we're not going to tell that story no, today. No, we're not. But uh, we don't, You have to tell we, me that story sometime. We, we will. We okay. will. I can tell him that story today. You can tell him that story. Okay. Actually, if he wants to stick around, we can. he can just be an audience while we have another conversation that gets recorded for the hell of it. But Okay. Gotta get you boys drunk to get you to talk. That's right. Or get me doped up on painkillers. I think I talked to you guys more on no, the drive home. What happens when you get doped up on painkillers is um, <clears throat> you eat a pork roast. You eat a giant pork roast <laughs> yes. all by yourself. That's right. <laughs> it was a stricture. So. Stricture. Stricture. Yes. <laughs>
And so how did that come out in the... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it sounded like you said stretcher. I'm like, you developed oh, a stretcher. I think like they stretcher. have those already. Yeah, I was going to say, I got one like of those st- afterwards for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the solution. Yeah, but it sounded like stretcher to me. Okay, yeah. well, that's because you knew what word was coming. Okay, I was primed. Yeah, so it, it was a, a stricter. Ha, 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 ha.